We are starting a new series called Power and Passion. As we journey through Lent, we often talk about when we get closer to Good Friday that it was the passion of the Christ. But we also recognize that there is some deep and intense power that comes from this work. And so for the next few weeks, we're gonna journey through and we're gonna do some character studies is what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at different characters that are part of this passion journey, this journey to the cross. And we're gonna ask what is going on in their lives and what does it say about our own? And how do we look at these stories through a new lens, all right? So today we're gonna start in Matthew 27. We're gonna talk about Pontius Pilate. Mr. Pilate was one of the ruling authorities during this time. And he's the person who ultimately sentenced Jesus to death. And so we hope you'll be with us throughout this Lenten journey. If you're not able to be with us, you can always check out the podcast or the live stream so you can stay abreast on what all is going on. This morning, we're gonna jump into Matthew and we're just gonna read the scripture together. And it's a longer story, but it's a good one, all right? Here we go, Matthew 27, verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor and the governor asked him, are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he, is, when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release one prisoner chosen by the crowd. So at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. When the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which, do, which one do you want me to release, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that he had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest, and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release? Asked the governor, Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked them. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they all shouted louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm an in, I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. We thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And all God's people said, amen. amen. You know what I've been amazed by the past two years? It's almost, it's almost been two years. Is, is how naturally my wife has become a master manipulator. And I don't mean of me. This is not me throwing shade. It's actually pretty impressive. And I think some of you parents can identify. Maybe said more kindly, she's a, a persuasive influencer. We should get to hear one of those influencer accounts on Instagram. Start making some money. Brianna, just start posting stuff with your influence, all right? 
My wife has this amazing way of talking to our daughter, August, where she will give her two choices. As she'll give her an option, you know, like choose between these two things. But essentially, the two options are the same thing. Maybe you know this trick. Maybe you've done it with your children. I'm starting to believe she's had practice over the past eight years, and I just hadn't realized it until I saw it on somebody else because she's really good at it. For example, if August doesn't want to eat her food, Brianna will, will say, do you want me to feed you your macaroni and cheese or do you want to use your fork to eat it? Either way, the desired outcome is that August will have eaten her food and she won't have known that it wasn't really her decision. Another time, August will have a dirty diaper and she doesn't want anybody to change it. So Brianna will say to her, August, do you want mommy to change your diaper or do you want daddy to change your diaper? <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, please choose mommy, please choose mommy, please choose mommy. And she goes, mommy. And I'm like trying not to externally show all the joy that is going on on the inside, right? I'm like, she is so good at making decisions, Brianna. Thank you for giving her two options. August believes that she has control, that she has power over her own decision. When in fact, as we all know, mother knows best. She's the one who's given her very specific options that lead to a specific outcome. And this is actually the exact same thing Pilate is doing on this Good Friday. When he is talking with the Jewish people almost 2,000 years ago, he's given them two options, but not really. He's going for the same desired outcome. Have you ever thought much about Pilate, about his backstory, about what led him to this moment? When I read this story, I can't help but get the feeling that Pilate probably just wanted to go home. I can't imagine he enjoyed Jerusalem very much. It was an old and a crowded and an exhaustingly violent place to be. We know from historical records that Pilate spent most of his time at Caesarea Maritima. Caesarea had been built to accommodate like the finest entertainments of Roman civilization. It was at the beach. There on the beach, he had an amphitheater that overlooks the sea, a hippodrome where the chariots would race. In Caesarea, Pilate might have a party in Herod's palace where Herod had the first freshwater swimming pool. There was no such delights to be found in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was full of piety. It was old, it was run down, it was violent, and people cared a lot more about religious trappings and sacrifices than they did about shindigs. And so once a year, Pilate would come to Jerusalem, though it was probably not his preferred place to be. Pilate was typically happy to let Jerusalem be ruled by the religious leaders while he did his own thing elsewhere. But when he would come, he would come and he would appoint a high priest that would serve in his name for that year. And the high priest would be the person who tried and was the judge over people's wrongdoings, like if they sacrificed in wrong ways or if they walked too far on the Sabbath or if they ate the wrong foods and those sorts of things. Mostly, Jerusalem didn't need Pilate and Pilate didn't need Jerusalem, except for this time of year. This time of year in Jerusalem, things got really interesting. And so this is the time of year where Pilate actually is there in Jerusalem probably the only time throughout the entire year, he comes to this part of the ancient Near East. 
the city would swell with tourists and with pilgrims and with people from all over the world who came to Jerusalem at this year to celebrate the Passover. Foreign Jews from Africa and Asia Minor would join the locals in their temples and they would gather to worship and they would make sacrifices and they would tell ancient stories. And these stories were all about how God had delivered Israel. How God had delivered the people from Pharaoh how he had drowned the armies of the conqueror, how a great teacher named Moses had led them out of Egypt. They would talk about the day when God would send a new Moses who would restore everything and who would lead them back into prosperity, a Messiah for God's people. So that's why Pilate decided he needed to be around in Jerusalem at this time of year. As people were getting all these ideas at this time of year about what's gonna look like when the Messiah comes and overthrows the Roman government. And so Pilate thought it was really important for him to be, be there. So he came in in some sort of a, a parade each time with trumpets and fanfare and soldiers and swords and people to show his power, to show the control and the authority that he wielded. In fact, on his first visit to the city, Pilate had the soldiers carried the banners right up onto the temple walls. The great historian and philosopher Philo, he tells us that the Jews of Israel nearly lost their minds when they saw graven images of Caesar, a false God in the places that they considered to be the most holy. They rioted and kept shouting. And according to Philo, Pilate had all the people surrounded by men with spears until they were afraid to make the first move and he was able to show who had the true authority. In the Gospel of Luke, we see another example of Pilate's leadership styles. When it says in that passage, um, Jesus, somebody comes to tell Jesus that Pilate has mixed the blood of the Gentiles with their sacrifices. Apparently, the, the Galileans, not Gentiles, the Galileans, the Galileans who, where Jesus is from had gotten up to something suspicious during the time of the Passover one year. And instead of just Pilate trying to calmly tell them to, to stop doing what they were doing, he sent soldiers in to kill all those who were participating in this potential uprising. And it says their blood mixed with the blood of the sacrifices, which is a major religious no-no. And still another time, according to Josephus, another Jewish historian, Pilate sent his soldiers into a crowd of people dressed as civilians hiding in disguise amongst these potential rabble-rousers. And then once they were all infiltrated in the crowd, they decided, they, they took them out, so to say. So Pilate was not the nicest of leaders, you can say. Sometimes he gets this image of washing his hands, so he truly doesn't have blood on them. But we all know that Pilate actually does have a lot of blood on his hands. Pilate came to Jerusalem whenever the crowd was getting too large and the chants were becoming larger and louder than the whispers. And that is happening right now. It's Passover. Jesus has been doing all sorts of things that are causing suspicion amongst his fellow Jewish sisters and brothers. So much so that the Roman government has even heard about it. But when Pilate came to Jerusalem, he came with power, even if he pretended he had none. His greatest skill might have been disguising his power because he was very good at giving people a false choice. Like Brianna helping August to see 
to choose the thing that we want her to choose, Pilate is directing the people exactly the way he wants to go. Because when Pontius Pilate, governor of Caesar's forces, tells the people that they can choose between Jesus Barabbas and Jesus of Nazareth, don't you think for a moment that he is giving up his power? The crowd sees Barabbas. He's a famous revolutionary. And they demand his freedom. Pilate could have picked anybody else in the prison. He could have picked somebody that was just an innocent nobody. But they demanded freedom for this one because he might take up arms against Rome. He might have some power to help them overthrow the Roman government. But Pilate is more than happy for them to choose Barabbas because Pilate knows what to do with an armed rebellion. The influence this Jesus character has is something altogether different. The crowd thinks that they are setting a war hero free, but they are playing a game that has already been rigged against them from the very beginning because Pilate knows the one he doesn't want to let go. And so he chooses somebody that he knows the people are gonna want. Because understand, Pilate is the commander of an army. He is the judge and the jury and the only person within 500 miles who has the permission to declare somebody worthy of being executed. Pilate has way more power than he admits and the crowd has way less power than they will admit. And for all those reasons, Jesus is going to die. So let me ask you, have you ever tried to wash your hands of your God-given power? Or have you ever felt powerless when you felt like or you realized that you were given choices but that it felt like you really had no control? Can you identify with Pilate in this story as a person who has responsibility and authority but chooses to wash their hands of it? Or do you identify with how we now see the crowd as thinking you have power when in actuality you might realize that you are trapped in a system that has been set up against you. I wonder what it would have been like, what would have been different if the crowd or Pilate could have understood that Jesus's power was way more real than either of the powers that they possessed. Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king? And both he and the crowd assumed that the answer should be no. But they were asking the wrong question. They assumed it was no because he had no gold, he had no army, he had no land. But they should have asked, instead of saying, are you a king? They should have said, what is a king? Because throughout Jesus's entire ministry, he was trying to redefine what kingdom means. He was always turning the world upside down, showing the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Blessed are those who weep. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Jesus is constantly showing a different version of kingship and kingdom. Jesus loved to talk about what it looks like to be a king according to the realms and the heavenlies and all the things in which God has created. Because it looks very different than what Pilate and the crowd assume it should be. Most kingdoms are about status. Who is in charge of whom and who gets to lord it over? That's why James and John, they asked Jesus, can we be part of your inner circle? Can we be in your cabinet? Can you put one of us at your left and your right? But Jesus said, the kingdom is not about status. 
The kingdom is about how you understand the world and what is going on in your heart. Christ is king, not because he elevates some people above others, but because he has the power to show that all of humanity are sons and daughters of God. Most kingdoms come by revolution. The old or evil regime is overthrown by a new regime of good people who take it over. But the kingdom of God does not come by revolution, but by resurrection. The bad people and the good people all live together and learned they are all sinners in need of forgiveness. And that the bad and the good folks both have to go through that death to self to find the life that God has for us. There's an old prayer that begins, Almighty God, show us your power chiefly by giving gifts. And we call these gifts grace. It is because God's power comes from grace that I'm absolutely sure that you are never powerless. All of you who might think I don't have influence, I'm not on Instagram an influencer. All of you who think I'm not a boss, I don't have influence. I believe because of the grace God gives all of us, we all have power. Sometimes your power is obvious. Parents, you have power over your children. Teachers, you have power over the lives of your students. Bosses, you have power in the lives of your employees. We all have power in the lives of workers and sellers based on where we choose to shop and what we choose to buy. In those places where your power is obvious, I believe God calls us to two things. In those places where you can recognize immediately what your power is, God calls us to two specific things. The first is to remember what your power is for. You have been given power. And God gives us power for something. You have the power to reveal the image of God to your neighbor. The image of God that is already in your neighbor. You have the power to give the, the gift of grace that has been given to you. The Holy Spirit extends to us the gift of grace and we have the power to give that to all of those over whom we have responsibility. Your power is not for you. God has ultimate power and chose to give it away. Jesus is constantly pouring out of himself. God became human and came to earth. God is constantly pouring out his power. And so if you have power, it is not to lord it over other people or to show everybody how much better you are or to tell people, hey, I've got something and you don't. It is to give the people the grace that God has extended to you. And second, if your power is obvious to you, get your hands dirty and put away the basin. Pilate washes his hands to show like, my hands are not dirty, I have nothing to do with this, this is not on me, when he's just lying. He has the power to stop it if he wants to. He has the power not to execute Jesus, but he sees the insurrection that Jesus can cause. He sees the, the more deep nuanced versions of what Jesus is infecting the people with. So he knows he has to get rid of this person, but he doesn't want people to think that it's his choice. And so he washes his hands of it. I think we often do that too. When we know we have power, there are times we choose not to use it because it might make us look bad. It might take too much of our time. 
If people listen to you, if people obey you, if people look up to you, if people trust you, and you continually run away from the power you have to influence their lives, you may miss the grace that is right there in front of you. You'll miss the chance to offer grace to others. You'll miss the chance to receive the grace God wants you to experience. If you have power, don't just wash your hands of it. Use it as a way to help people see the gift of grace in their lives. But of course, there'll be other times where power is a lot less obvious. So for all of you who say, I don't know what power I have. Children, you have power over your parents. You, you can make their lives easier and harder than you or they could ever fathom. Students, I've talked to enough teachers to know that you have incredible power over their lives. They pray and they ache and they hope for you. Workers, you have power in the life of your bosses. You have the power to testify by your honesty, your strength and your love when they act unjustly. You have the honor, you have the opportunity to honor them and show them grace when you feel like they have done something for which you can be grateful. If you are a person in the midst of us who are suffering, there is power in your testimony because there are others who are suffering but might feel like they are silent or alone. Your testimony in your suffering, through your suffering, has power. And if you have been wronged, you have the greatest power in the cosmos. We talked about it all last month for a whole series. You have the power to forgive and seek peace. And if you don't believe me, just try to offer forgiveness to somebody who's not expecting it and see what power that has. Imagine what forgiveness might have meant to Judas when he threw down his silver and heard the accuser say, that is your responsibility. What if he could have felt and heard the forgiveness that God gives us? Forgiveness must have some power or else we would not be so afraid to give it and receive it. What God poured out all of his power onto us with was by offering the world forgiveness and extending to us unmerited favor that we call grace. So to all of you who have power that you don't even know it, God offers the same direct callings to you too. Find out and remember what your power is for and get your hands dirty. Put the basin away. For the next few weeks, we will be journeying through this idea of power and passion and how these things are connected. God has ultimate power, but God has poured out that power to us and extended to you grace you have more power than you can imagine as part of the life of Christ. At your fingertips are all the possibilities that can be dreamed up because the kingdom of God brings forth things that we could never ask for or imagine. And so remember what your power is for. And let's all get our hands dirty. Will you pray with me?